The Minnesota Twins are better. A Cleveland area legend has passed away. And we got some prospect chatter and a guards fest all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. My name is Jeff Ellis. I'm one of the two hosts of Lockdown Guardians. And I know you're all expecting me to reach over and pat myself on the back for uh, successfully predicting the Twins trade. But we'll save that for segment three, prospects in segment two. Uh, before I have Justin introduce himself as he got to do some media things this past weekend, I want to take a moment and talk about Sal Bando, who passed away from cancer. For those who don't know, Sal Bando, I've I, I already forgot the high school, Warrensville Heights. His brother Chris went to Solon. Chris was a second round pick of the Guardians, like a 10 or maybe 12 year age gap between them. Uh, Chris was a second rounder. So we know what that means. It, it didn't go great. Uh, the, the eternal curse of the guardians is second round. Chris Bando was voted for the, the seventies catcher for the college world series, like the all time seventies team. He was that good at Arizona state. Uh, his brother, Sal 60 career war for him. Uh, noted, you know, he's in the Northeastern Ohio sports hall of fame for good reason. He had a fantastic career. One of those guys who, when you look at war, 60 war is like up there with a lot of Hall of Famers. He wasn't like a black ink guy or gray ink guy or any of that stuff, but he was just good. He was a very good third baseman for a long time. So I thought we'd had to take a moment and talk about Sal Bando. Uh, take a ticket, his brother. Hey, listen, Chris getting to the big leagues and playing as long as he did probably makes him a top five second round pick for this team. Uh, and yeah, the Bandos had uh, two. It's It's been a while. We'll save the stats for tomorrow on... Uh, Cleveland has not had a lot of Clevelanders play for them. And uh, there, there's only six Clevelanders in baseball uh, this past year. Uh, why don't you leave that, your thoughts in the comments below, and then we'll discuss it on tomorrow's show. So that is your, don't cheat, don't look it up. I put it out on Twitter as well, so you could go look. But uh, uh, that's kind of the lead off. And I forgot to say, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more visit fanduel backslash locked on today to get started and thank you for making lockdown guardians your first list and i just want to talk sal bando uh, you know he's fascinating and it's always good to see like a northeast ohio baseball player we don't have enough of those uh but things were happening this weekend northeast ohio and justin is part of our news so uh he can tell you all about who he is and talk about guards fest yeah i i have not predicted anything successful and ever so never want to take any of my uh my first foray into FanDuel. uh this weekend was was not fantastic so you don't want to take anything i say uh seriously when it comes to betting or uh any predictions really even prospect ones but uh here's the connection too you're talking about sal bando um ted kubiak who was the former uh cleveland minor league manager in mahoney valley and lake county for a time was teammates with Sal Bando. So there's another mm. roundabout connection to the Bandos as well. He was good team. He was teammates and good friends with him on that, on those Oakland teams. So lots of quasi. Sal, Sal Bando and I are on the same trip, start out in uh, Northeast Ohio and go to Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I was at guards fest on, on Saturday morning. It was a lot of fun. Ran into a couple people, uh, Brian Shaw, not, not, not the reliever, Brian Shaw, not Nobody, the Brian Shaw. Not the yeah, not not the, the the actual Clevelander Brian Shaw that's still in Cleveland and 
uh, isn't going anywhere. At least I don't think he's going anywhere. But uh, now people are going to think, oh, man, the reliever Brian Shaw is coming to Guards Fest looking for, for work, just assuming he's a part of the team. Now, is uh, our buddy from Channel 5, Brian Shaw, um, I think he was, I think he's, yeah, I don't know if he's Channel 5 anymore. He might I still be Channel 5. Um, he also has a, a podcast called uh, Guards Cast MLB with a buddy of his and ran into him. It was good chatting with him. And then uh, Mark, I ran to Mark, listener of the show, who uh, kind of found us there and was just kind of talking for a little bit. He was there with his family and had a good time at Guards Fest. So uh, thanks for that. And thanks for, for listening, guys, and, and for caring what we have to say. Sometimes I feel like, uh, I don't know, we're just talking to ourselves some days. I'm like, is anybody really like listening? Do they know? Does anybody care what we're saying? So it was good to, to catch up with some people. And Guards Fest was good. No, nothing really of note really happened there. I think the most notable line anybody probably can has found so far is uh, uh, Terry Freddie Cohen's reaction to being named the MLB's most handsomest manager, which apparently was done by AI. It wasn't a voted. I thought it was just a voted thing, but apparently it was done by AI. So that's interesting. I, AI is doing some interesting things these days. Uh, I'll be uh, curious to see what happens at spring training with uh, all the shenanigans and practical jokes. I'm sure they will play on him uh, for winning that award, but uh, other than that, Guards Fest was pretty good. It's just wild. Like I was looking at, at the the roster from the night before, like who was on, what players are going to be at Guards Fest, and um, Jose Ramirez was not there because he had a family commitment or something in the Dominican Republic. Shane Bieber was not there because he was getting married Saturday, so he just got married. Congratulations to him. Shane Congratulations. Bieber. Yeah, yeah. Zach Plesac was there. I saw Bradley Zimmer was there. So those guys weren't at, at Guards Fest. Thankfully, Bradley Zimmer wasn't, but. Um, the only two guys that would have been on the roster in 2020, the last time they had uh, a fan fest for Cleveland were Emmanuel Classe and James Karinchak. Those are the only two guys that were still, you know, on the active roster in 2020, the last time they did this, that were there on uh, Saturday for guards fest. That blew my mind that it's been three years since they've had a, a fan fest and uh, there would have been four, you know, if, if Jose and Bieber could have made it, there would have been four. But just all the all the young guys that were there, Will Brennan, Will Benson, Xavion Curry, um, Rocchio, Noel, Oscar Gonzalez, uh, Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. I it's it's some I don't know. I mean Josh Naylor, Bo Naylor was there, George Valera was there, Quan, obviously. Um, it's just wild how much turnover there's been in three years. And it happened, I think, in a blink of an eye, and the only, there's only two guys left from that. Uh, last fan fest, and not to be a Debbie Downer to start the the show this week, but was that Shane Bieber's last opportunity to come to a Cleveland fan fest? Probably. Uh, January rolls around. Will he be the 2024 version? No, I. Uh, while you were talking, sorry, That's, I apologize to, to everyone. That was one I, of my uh, predictions. <laughs> I was pull, I was pulling up the, the the Twins trade of the day, which I hadn't seen it occurred. It was in the middle of bedtime with my daughter, so I was also pulling that up because we'll have to discuss that in segment three. Uh, I can see some behind the curtain there. Uh, I thought I think it will be his last one. I thought my what I thought was kind of interesting was one that apparently Steve Kwan just has been playing uh, video games for the past few months. He just and he lives in Chicago, uh, and that uh, Kwan and Straw gave a lot of credit to Kyle Hudson, who just left to be the Red Sox first base coach for what he's done defensively. So I thought that was those were kind of the the things that I peeled away from uh, from Zach Meisel's piece on it. If I'm being honest, that's where I got my insights into some uh, some points in there. 
Yeah, uh, I, Kyle Hudson called those two guys and even told them like he they were the reason that he got that job, and they still mm-hmm. have not replaced Kyle Hudson. I thought last week we would see some announcements for minor league coaching assignments, but you know they lost Brian Sweeney. They lost um, who was their coach? They lost uh, Justin Tool. Justin Tool. Yeah. He is he's in Seattle, so those yeah, two he had are a gone. Big jump up in position. Yeah, and then Kyle Hudson got you know picked off a couple weeks ago. So they haven't replaced him yet on the major league staff. So I hear that's the holdup why there's been no official announcement of minor league coaching assignments yet. But I usually within this like two week span at the end of January, beginning of February is where they normally announce it. Announce it. So I thought it'd be coming soon, but it sounds like they have to figure out what they're going to do with Kyle Hudson's position before they can announce the the minor league coaching assignments. So we'll see. Yeah, because I think they thought they were all set when they announced their last set of announcements after everyone else left. Um, mm-hmm. Now it's kind of back up in there, as it were. Um, yeah, that's that's Guards Fest. Um, do you have anything else you want to add in uh, before we dive into these prospect ranks and I get uh, I get irate here in segment two? Um, or And then before we talk some twins trades for segment three? Uh, well, I can tell you one prospect on the 40 man roster who was not at guards fest that you'll be talking about. Uh, we can, we can give that little teaser. Oh, okay. that's interesting. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. We will talk about that and so much more. Oh, what they always tell us not to do. Never say so much more. Listen, we're getting into prospects. We're going to talk about two t- uh, twins trades, including an in-division trade, the rare in-division trade on today's episode of lockdown guardians. But, First, I got to talk about our brand new sponsor. If you're a longtime fan of the show, you know, I get excited about a new sponsor because it means that someone is stepping up who wants to partner with us. And if you heard the start, you probably know that the NFL playoffs are here and we're excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today. To get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just sign up at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel has your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. Plus, you can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Uh, you know, I know I said I was going to talk some World Baseball Classic. I got to say, I kind of like the Bengals as a underdog this weekend. Um their defense has been phenomenal. They're making all the right calls and they're what three and zero in their last three games against Kansas city. And uh, who knows how healthy Patrick Mahomes is. So that might be mine in here. I know, I know I said, I was going to talk baseball and I'm throwing you a complete, uh, complete, uh, not what I said, but I think I like the dogs in both of these. I like the Eagles who are also wait, no, are the Bengals favored then? I think I have it wrong. Yes. The Bengals are favored. I still like them. Uh, because mine, minus 1.5, that's interesting. So I still like the Bengals even as favorites, but it, I think that they're a team. Uh, what are you, they're a team. That's, that's great insight. Uh, your thoughts. Well, I bet against Joe Burrow and the Bengals last week. I had uh, a good multi-leg parlay going on Josh Allen, and I'm trying to think who else last week I played. I, I was doing great for the first two uh, quarters of that game, first half. Thought I was going to hit everything and uh, win some good money. And then the second half, uh, Josh Allen did not throw very well, didn't do anything very well, and it, it really burned me. So I uh, I probably should learn my lesson and not bet against the Bengals. Plus, like you said, who knows how healthy um, Patrick Mahomes' um, ankle is. I also, in a, in a fantasy league I'm doing for the playoffs too, I, I opted against starting Jalen Hurts and 
I was worried about his health, but clearly he is looking good. So uh, Jalen Hurts looks like uh, the Eagles look like a good play out there. Although I, I don't think Jalen Hurts will be as bad as Dak Prescott. How about that? That's a good bet. <laughs> so football fans don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets. Win or lose at FanDuel.com backslash locked on. <clears throat> And let's talk about some prospects on. So MLB, we've been doing this whole thing and unsurprisingly, Cleveland did not get anyone in the top 10 um, first baseman or the top 10 third baseman. Uh, I did think it's interesting that Jacob Berry ahead of Cam Collier, but I think they always did uh, in terms of some recent draft picks on the third base list. The third third base list is kind of funny because it's all like Henderson gets like every category, uh, but the one and then you know let's see I did I must have already closed out for no here's first baseman, um, it's a weird list in, in general uh, because it kind of shows how bad first base is where it's like Matt Mervis who the Cubs are doing everything in their power to not play as fourth. Michael Tagalia, who's kind of struggled with the Rockies, and Brant Levine, who struggled with the Rockies, are six and seven. Uh, Xavier Isaac, who was a first round pick that nobody really discussed, as like he was the biggest shock of the draft. And then, hey, my my buddy Nico Cavadas, who I've talked about multiple times on the show, sitting there at tenth. So just gonna throw that in there. Uh, if you thought I was gonna pass up a chance to talk Cavadas, you don't know me. Now, time for righteous indignation. Second base list. Uh, first off, they have. Edward Julian on it. He's he's a DH, like, or he's going to learn left field. There's a zero percent chance that guy can hack it at second base. He is dating back to his, like I was a big fan of his at Auburn. I want to say, and I believed in the bat. I have like the tweets to back it up. We're going to talk about like I. I mean, this guy had some really nice tools, but he he's never he's, he hasn't improved one iota defensively. So you have that, but I mean, technically he's a second baseman, so that's fine. But Zach Gedloff he's the third baseman all the way. Like he's had some games at second, but I don't know anyone who's projected him anywhere else. I understand this isn't a necessarily great list. Then Nick York, who had massive struggles last year and reached high a hasn't even reached a double a and Wenzel Perez, who listen, everyone thinks he's a utility guy. As far as I know, maybe I'm misinformed. How is angel Martinez not on that list? I don't know. I, I mean, I agree with most of the list to be honest with you. like Tamar Johnson. Yes. Michael Bush. Yes. Jace Young, yes. Justin Foskey, who I really wanted the year he was in the draft. I know he was never going to get to Cleveland, but I like him. Uh, Connor Norby, you can't ignore. Nick Gonzalez, I don't think you can ignore. But, like, uh, yeah, Zach Geloff, Nick York, who didn't have a great year, and yeah. Wienzel Perez, who was 22 in high A. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think Angel Martinez being 20 and getting double A and hitting the way he did, uh, for sure, should have been there. He was not a guards fest, and he is not. Maybe that's what the Guardians knew. They knew he was not going to be on the uh, the top prospect for second base in the pipeline, so they were not going to invite him to Guards Fest, although they invited guys like John Kenzie Noel and George Valera and, and Ryan Rocchio, who when a short when a shortstop come out. Has that come out yet? Uh comes out tomorrow, and then so we'll discuss that tomorrow. Uh and then we're gonna do all the outfielders on uh on Thursday between the guardians uh, talking about some, you know, guardians outfield prospects and then talking about the list and seeing, you know, they got a chance for two. I think they got a chance. What's for left two. shortstop and outfielder left. That's what's left. I believe that's it. I think that's it. Um, yeah. If and I had just to the guess, top 100. I mean, so, you know, Monday yeah. we'll talk top 100. 
um, or not Monday, Tuesday, as it is. We record on a Monday. We'll come out on Tuesday. I just, I don't, this list was dumb. Like, <laughs> I hate to say that, but it's like, Angel Martinez has a higher ceiling than Foscu. I love Connor Norby, but again, I, I, I guess these guys are safer. Uh, I'll, I'll also be the guy. It's like, I mean, I liked Michael. I, if you go back to my way to or my um, my shadow drafts, I took Michael Bush in those. Like, I'm a believer in him. So, like, I get if you want to go for safety and ceiling, but it feels like they forgot Angel Martinez existed. Like, it feels like a situation where they forgot his name because that's the only way this makes sense. Over. You know, like I said, okay, if you want to say Gadloff can maybe play second, fine. You know, I, I can understand that. If you want to go for safety, I can understand. Julianne, it is his default position. Nick Gonzalez, I still like, even with his struggles. Um, but over York. I could have found a place for Angel. Yeah, like he is, he's, yeah. he's no worse than ninth on this list. There, There is no way that he is at least not ninth. Um, anything that doesn't have him ninth is just like, uh, they forgot or they're valuing like that. I, I don't know. Was one a big money guy? I mean, it feels like Nick York is a guy who was a first round mid first rounder. So that's why he's there, but I don't feel like Wenzel was that big of a, a name. So I, I, I don't, I, I don't get it. Uh, I would say Perez was better this year. He had a big season. If you look at the numbers. He did have a big season. Yeah. I remember watching him in 2021 and I guess you could take some of that with a grain of salt because 2020 and he was still, a little bit young, but he did not look good in 2021. He repeated high A in 2022. Yeah. Um, but then you know, 22 and high A on a repetition. So you're like, how much can you take from that? And yeah, I mean, he was really good in in double A as well in a limited sample, but 23, like, or, or did he just turn 23? He just turned 23. So it's, I don't yeah, know. Still, I, I, that's a little bit, that's a little bit old for high A, yeah. a little bit. It's not, I I have to look if if it's if it's like right on par or a little bit older. It's definitely yeah, not. Young Angel Martinez is like three years younger and spent right. as much time in Double A, so like some of that should matter. Um, but I mean, oh Nick York definitely. I mean Nick York didn't even get the Double A, so it's it's a little ridiculous in yeah. that regard. Um, and yeah, the, this team doesn't really. I mean, we we did the whole show on it. It's like their top third base prospects probably Gabby Rodriguez. I'm already blanking on who the first base prospect. <laughs> would be um it's that's how uninspiring the list kind of is well um, everybody i don't know i don't John understand well right yeah uh, I, I don't i don't understand it but everybody is looking at him as an outfielder like Fangraphs right. has him as an outfielder and pipeline apparently does too and it's it's ridiculous like if he, if he, he makes an the majors, then I, yeah so does oscar gonzalez a lot of guys have an arm manny ramirez had a great arm he wasn't a great defender out there either i mean he can stand there it's fine i'm just you know and maybe maybe if he continues to play he can improve i don't know it's just yeah, i don't know i think like my, my whole view and he's not a bad first baseman he can no. play first base and that's the thing one if he was a first baseman instead of an outfielder i think he'd actually would have made the top first baseman list because that first baseman right. list like i love nika Cavadis, but he he was a senior who barely touched double a and there's some some issues with him uh Xavier Isaac is there purely because he's a first rounder. I mean, Ivan Melendez was a second rounder who wasn't even great. It's not, I mean, he was graded as a first round. No, he he was graded more like a second rounder. Like that's the thing. Like they have like guys, that's how bad first, because their first base is not a place you go to. Like, you know, you, you already kind of failed at another position. If you're at first base, I did think Tyler Soderstrom at two was interesting. And Kyle Manzardo is probably one of the better stories in the minors in the past year that not as many people maybe know about him. Uh, he should be higher. 
Yeah. I mean, I think you could make a case. He's the top first base prospect in baseball. I'm with you there. I think, I think yeah. he's definitely underrated. Yeah. Another one of those. Speaking of prospects, story. Speaking of prospects, before we move on to talk about the twins trades, uh, I just saw earlier today, uh, and he put it on Twitter, Juan Hillman, former Guardians draft pick, um, is signing with the Washington Nationals. So good for mm-hmm. Juan for keeping his career going. He had uh, um, some struggles at the end of his time in Cleveland, and then he had Tommy John, recovered all last year, supposedly is is throwing harder now, looks good, and he's going to get a shot in Washington. So I thought that was worth uh, a mention there. Uh, a high yeah. pick. What was he? Was he a comp pick or a second-round pick? Second-rounder. He was a second-rounder. Yeah. Keep that legacy going. Yeah. No, he was, uh, he was like rate, like the Gordons were essentially like, I think he lived with the Gordons his senior year. Um, yeah, I think he, they were like his, he was like his advisor. Yeah. And like, like they, yeah, it was, no, I, I, we actually back in the day, uh, I mean, I don't know if, if smoke signals still exist somewhere in some form, but if you go and listen to the smoke signals, Tony and I did after Juan Hillman was drafted, uh, we had Hillman on the show. Uh, he was there like the day after he was drafted, he was very excited. Like he, uh, I wrote his profile and he like tweeted at me and then I was like, Hey, you want to come on? And he's like, let me check with my advisor. And they cleared it. And he actually announced his signing on the show. So that was kind of cool. But yeah, he was going to sign. He told us right there, like, it's done. Like it's not official, but it's done. Uh, so yeah, I always remember one. Cause I was like, I think that's the first player I really interviewed. Like that was before I, I was in town and could like go to the minors and do stuff. So it was kind of a, fun little bit of history for me. So I have, I wish him nothing but the best. Uh, and Hey, going to Washington smart, that team is so bereft of talent. Uh, I think he's got a chance, a chance to make it to the majors. I think there were some signs that he's starting to rebound before I believe injuries and, and, and the like kind of slowed him up. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. You know, I'm athletic. A, yeah. He, he was a good dude. I think he just was searching for some consistency and, and, just finding his stuff at the end there was kind of difficult. So I think he'll, he'll do good there. Um, definitely rooting for him. I tell you what, anytime, anytime uh, Juan struggled in, in high A or double A or wherever it was, and he was pitching in the Cleveland system um, was always willing to talk and was always, you know, accountable and, you know, would talk about that stuff openly too. So he was, like I said, he always kept it real. Speaking of keeping it real, we're going to come back and talk about some real moves uh, that have occurred as well as. uh, Okay, do you want to start big or start small? I feel like we should do small first and just kind of knock out the Michael. This wasn't a big deal. Yeah, no, it's but it's kind of fascinating. It's uh, the twins in some regards got Brian Buxton insurance, which makes sense because he has never been healthy. Uh, I mean, he's a fantastic player, but I think everyone knows that at some point, he could go on the DL and the twins already have a ton of outfielders because, you know, uh, on top of, if you look at their projection, they went out and signed Joey Gallo. They have Buxton and center. They still have Max Kepler. We'll see if they'll move him. Alex Kirilov, uh, Trevor Larnock. Uh, why am I blanking on the uh, Matt Walner? They have many, many outfielders, but that didn't stop him from adding Michael A. Taylor, who might be more of a bench bat for them. Or uh, like I said, he's essentially, this feels like Byron Buxton insurance. Am I wrong there? No, you're right. I mean, well, they already had an insurance. Like they played Gilberto Celestino out there last year. Defensively, he was fine. Like he, yeah. they, they had defenders. So I feel like this is maybe it's Buxton insurance, but maybe it's more insurance for them trading one of their other outfielders. I mean, Kepler. He's also, I don't know. 
He's also a righty. All of those uh, other guys we mentioned are lefties, like Larnock, yeah, Kirilov, Kepler. So he is that. And plus, they have Nick, they have Nick Gordon too. Yeah. So he's also, and it looks like Kirilov is scheduled to play some for, as play first base now that yeah. we're going to talk about Luis Arise being gone. So that's going to be their first baseman, I'm sure. I don't know. I guess Jose Miranda is not going to play any first base. He did some last year, but maybe he will. But um, yeah, so Nick, I mean, they have a lot of guys who can man the outfield. They were they were devastated last year in the outfield with injuries. They were they were bad. I mean, Royce Lewis tore his ACL for the second straight year, I think. Um, yeah, Karoloff and Kepler both had injuries. Buxton got hurt. I think Nick Gordon was hurt at some point as well. Like they were all hurt. So um, it, yeah, it's just good. It's good depth. I mean, Mike, Michael Taylor just. He had like that what like that month stretch last year where he was hitting the ball good again, and people thought he was like having some sort of like late career breakout, but then he kind of fell back into um, who he really is, which is a, a not, all defense, nothing else yeah. player. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, just for his career, he's gotten eighty runs created plus. Uh, you know, I, we talk about Miles Straw. It's like we're kind of hoping Miles Straw is going to be more like an eighty-eight, ninety. And Michael A. Taylor, it's like he had 2017 in this past year, the only years that he's been above 80 in terms of his run created plus. But he is, you know, a sterling defender out there. So, um, yeah, that's, that's you know, good depth for them. I don't know if it's necessarily a, a, a huge move other than just like you said, some depth. I think the guys they traded were interesting, though. I think yeah, Evan Sisk is an, is an interesting reliever, and uh, Stephen Cruz could be an interesting reliever. But the Royals... Pitching development, I don't know if I trust any of it anyway. So maybe, even no matter who they got, it may not matter because they're pitching development. Although I mean, they'll have Brian Sweeney now, so maybe that makes yeah. some sort of a difference. I don't know. And Evan Sisk, he's, he might be a loogie. He's pretty much ready to go. Um, I'm not sure if he was on the 40-man or not. Um, I don't believe he was, so which means he got through the Rule 5 draft, even though he's you know a lefty who could miss some bats, which kind of who pitched in AAA. So that kind of speaks to his valuation. And then uh, Stephen Cruz, I believe, was also Rule 5 eligible and was not added. So these are two guys who got through the Rule 5 draft untouched. He throws super hard, but has no idea where it's going. So uh, not, not one the pitch. No, one basically a one pitch guy with no command. So uh, and he was, you know, it, MLB's last we talked about. It, it's never ideal. But just giving an idea of, of where they had him it was 28th for Cruz and nothing. So, yeah, it's like four point five million. He's got a 92 runs created plus against lefties and a 70 against righties. So he'll probably be a platoon for them and, you know, a nice defensive replacement and solid insurance. Um, he's, so it's a smart move. It is weird to see an in-division trade, but I I get it for the Twins and for the Royals. It is funny that, like, supposedly a week ago, they were asking for Josh Winder, the pitcher who looked really good when he was healthy. And they quickly discounted that price. They went from asking for a buck fifty to getting twenty five cents. So, at the end of the day, I mean, it's smart for them to trade him. If this is the best they can do, then hey, it's the best they could do. Yeah, I would not be making that trade either if I was the Twins. So, um, that's a good call uh, yeah. by them. So, the other big one was last week after we had already had our last show. Of the week was um, kind of, kind um, of a big one. I. Yeah, it really this one really stunned me. I mean, I know we you had talked about it, and I think I feel like you had said it was Max Kepler or I forget who else. Maybe maybe No, I said Lewis Arez. Like I was on that. Did I you? said Arez. Yeah, I said Arez. Arez for Lopez. Now I thought it'd be like Arez and like Walner, or I thought they'd get the left-handed outfielder they need. I didn't think that the Marlins would have to kick in prospects to get Lewis to get Arez, but I did right. say 
they would be a res. Like I did yeah. from the minute Correa was signed, I should, I talked about a Kepler deal before Correa. Once Correa signed, I said, yeah, this is going to happen. This is like, this is a lock. And I, that's why, that's why, you know, I had called both aspects. Again, I call wrong who would have to add a little sweetener. That part I got wrong, uh, very wrong. But uh, are you a little bit surprised? I, I know it's three years and, you know, Arez, whose name I'm probably butchering is, He's, you know, he won the batting title, but he's had health issues. He's a bad defender. He has no power at all. There's, you know, always that degree of the bat pip gods being unhappy. So it's three years of control for a good hitter. Don't get me wrong, but good hitter, suspect defender, no power. And for two years of a solid three, maybe two at peak starter. Aren't you a little surprised that the Marlins had to chip in more? I really don't know it. I think for the Marlins, this this helps them more than it does the Twins, yeah. because the Marlins the Marlins have pitching in their system that's going to replace Pablo Lopez. Like Yuri Perez should be up this year. They have other guys coming, um, and they also but they also give up prospects, which I don't understand either. Like I and I like Luis Arise. I do. I think he'd be a great fit on, on Cleveland if they had room for him somehow. Um, I really liked what he's been doing the last couple of years, even without the power. And he doesn't run well either, so he's really a, a limited player. Like you said, defensive issues. But I don't know. I'm just uh, It's such a surprise to see that move made by a contender who I feel like Arise was a big part of their team the last couple of years. He kind of was one of their best hitters. But I don't know. Lo- Lopez, to me, also is a – he's a third starter at best. Like, he's, he's your – I'll, I'll I'll frame it in a different way in a few seconds here. I got I got an idea, but um, I guess I do like it for the Twins more just because they gave up a guy who I mean I guess if they really feel like Eduard Julian is gonna is gonna hit better than him and have the same defensive issues, then what's the difference, right? Like you have a guy who might be a better hitter and and has the same defensive yeah. miss shortcomings, then why not? But they did get Jose Salas, who I think is a good prospect, and I think. Uh, Byron Churio, who, by the way, is not related to yeah. Jackson or Jason, even though they were born, uh, him and Jason were born a day apart in Venezuela. That kind of blows my mind. Um, yeah, okay. Let, we had let this me debate about him, I feel like, earlier this offseason. We did, we did. I'm still, I still haven't really uh, I think it was gotten off over it, I too. guess. It might have been. It was off Mike. you're right. Uh, okay, so let me, let me put it this way. If we're going to decide if the Twins are better. Right now, uh, Roster Resource has Pablo Lopez as the Twins' number one starter. Um, so let me ask you two this way. Shane Bieber or Pablo Lopez? Who are you taking? Pablo Lopez, of course. Of course, yes. Of course, Pablo Lopez. No, uh, uh, I mean, I think we know <laughs> the answer there. And, like, the, the one thing I'll say is the Twins have a lot of, like, interesting hitters. Um, but this definitely felt like they were not willing to put up with the glove. I mean, he mostly played first base for them last year and he was worth negative 10 defensive runs saved at first base. So putting him at second base so they can then put Joey Wendell at short and flip jazz Chisholm to center field. Like uh, this is a recipe for disaster for this Marlins infield defense. It could be. Yeah, it could be. They may maybe punting defense on the infield. We'll see what they do. Uh, especially with uh Who's playing third for them? Uh, Gene Segura. Segura, who's probably not a third baseman. Yeah, but who's okay. never played there? Yeah. Or rarely okay. Played are there. you take? Are you taking 
Tristan McKenzie or Pablo Lopez? Tristan McKenzie. Are you taking Cal Quantrill or Pablo Lopez? Pablo Lopez. Okay. So Pablo Lopez would not start. Okay. So he would not start a game three for Cleveland. How about Sonny Gray or Shane Bieber? Well, no. (laughs) He's okay. Yeah. He would be. I'm I'm still going with McKenzie, but then he'll beat Quantrill for me. Okay. Uh, Joe Ryan or Shane Bieber? Biebs. Joe Ryan or Tristan McKenzie? McKenzie. Tyler Molly or Shane Bieber? Uh, Bieber. Tyler Molly or Tristan McKenzie? Depends on the version of Tyler Molly. This is the one time where I might be tempted to say like Tyler Molly if it's like how he was for the first few months of the year. Because we have seen both him and McKenzie be incredibly inconsistent. So uh, I, I still lean McKenzie, but I also could see a situation where you go Molly. Tyler, okay, let's say you say McKenzie. Tyler, Molly, or Cal Quantrill? Uh, Molly. Okay. And Kenta Maeda and uh, Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill. Uh, I'll take Cleveland's. All three? Yeah. Uh, what about what about Aaron Savali and Kenta Maeda? I'll go Maeda. Okay. So we've established that this that's the that's the Twins projected rotation right now. Only one pitcher on that list did you consider over Cleveland's number two option, and that was that was maybe a push with Tyler Molly. Everybody else, he yeah. took Cleveland's pitching rotation the first two over, and three is where we get a push. So every for the first two games, no matter what, I mean, if this was a hype, this is all on paper hypothetical. You know, you're matching up the rotations. Cleveland still has the edge, the top two. Um, so maybe Pablo Lopez is better than Cal Quantrill, but it just seems like the Twins have a rotation filled with a bunch of number three starters. That's what it looks like. What's interesting, though, is one, uh, the entire rotation is guys they got through trades, which is really unusual. Not one homegrown yeah. guy. It's all trades. But two, I mean, we can look at it that way, but we can also look at it like Chris Archer started a lot of games for them. You know, Josh Winder went from like points their number two starter to being their seventh guy. They, uh, Derek Falvey talked about they're going to tr- mess around with the six man rotation. So Bailey Ober will still get spots. But I mean, Bailey Ober was a really important pitcher for them. Like they've, you know, ha- we'll see how, what it goes, how things go with health, but they needed this depth, right? I mean, Kenta Maeda was out all of last year. We'll see how he comes back from injury. That's always a shaky proposition. They needed depth. And not only do they get depth, but they improve the top of theirs. Now, is it studs? No, but it's still a big improvement overall when you look at what they've how they've shifted things and what they project to be. So it's it's you know it's probably a just with the way the pitching staff looks now versus what they had a year ago. It's probably like a four to five win difference um, when you look at who was getting significant starts for them. So. I said, I get it. And like Pablo Lopez isn't the most exciting guy. We talked about like, I'd have rather traded for Luzardo if Cleveland was going to trade for anyone from them. But is he a solid guy? That's what he is. And that's what the twins kind of need. So I think, and then when they get two prospects as well for a guy who would have been, you know, they like Kirilov. They want to give him at bats. Like they had, they had the, the capital and, uh, you know, they go out and recoup some prospects. And, you know, when they traded um, Urshila, they added some, indra- you know, they've been smart about the fringes. They've been very smart with the fringes of the roster. And, uh, yeah, I'll be 
curious to see how this team does. I, you know, it, it makes the Marlins better offensively. Who knows what they're going to be like defensively, but it's a smart move because of their depth. Um, I mean, they desperately need power though. So they still should be out there trying to land power somehow, some way. Uh, but the twins desperately needed pitching depth. So I think it's a win-win. Yeah. And, and that's, that's how these trades should be. They should be win-win the twins. I will say that is probably where the twins are better this year than they were a year ago is they do have way more depth and they needed yeah. that. Obviously all the injuries they had last year on the position player side and the pitching side, they needed more depth. So if they do have any issues like they did a year ago, then, you know, they might be in better position to sustain that. But you are, like we've talked about before, you are banking on health. Like you're banking on all these guys being healthy and, and being better than they were a year ago. I mean, the, what is they, what do they say about, especially for pitchers, what's the best predictor of an injury? It's prior injury. So, so there are no guarantees, but they are better equipped to, to deal with it now, I guess. We'll, we'll save it for segment three, but or segment three, we'll save it for a little bit of post-game talk, but I got some numbers pulled up on like who started games for this Twins team that will kind of, blow your hair back uh it, it was like i said it, it was a dire situation for them and this was a uh i think it was a smart move and that's why i was like it's just a matter of time and it happened uh so we're going to you can join us in the after show and uh we're going to talk maybe a little bit more about this but i've been jeff ellis uh for justin I want to thank everyone for listening, rating and reviewing, downloading it helps. It's awesome that you had some fun interactions at Guards Fest. Thank you to those gentlemen. And uh, go, go, Guardians, go.